Coach O, Coach Ed Ogeron, and then Ellis and Utahs. I want to say uh, happy uh, Kwanzaa and Merry Christmas. Uh, happy New Year. You know, 2020 can bite my boot in, baby. I'm Coach O, bitch. Uh, this year was tough. No bowl game. Um, give me time to watch the Bogalusa Weed Eater Bowl and all them them insignificant bowls and them significant bowls and everything else, baby. But uh, I'm still Coach O. I'm still kicking ass. Next year going to be great. Them Saints is good. Them Yankees going to be good. We're going to be having them vaccines and all. We ain't going to be having no coronavirus after a while, hopefully, baby. Everything's going to be all good. I'm working on my car right now. Got that system going. You know, I'm rattling them in the speakers, baby. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes I listen to Zydeco, and then I put in some good old boys. You know what I'm saying? I got that eclectic taste in music. You know what I'm saying, baby? Because I'm Coach O, bitch, and I'm coming. Go Tigers. Welcome to the Sports Antidote, episode number 29, A COVID Christmas. I'm your host, Danny Belts, with a Z. A real quick episode for you today. Um, it's just been crazy with the holidays. We had to pump one out here, recording on January 1st. Uh, L.A. Burns came on two days ago, and I was supposed to have this up yesterday. Uh, so it's pretty funny. He's already talked about a game that is happening today and a game that's already over, but that's okay. It's been crazy with some sickness. And some other stuff going on. Tommy Bench uh, will be on the show. And I'm just going to blow through my segment. Um, real quick story. COVID Christmas. We'll be getting into that. As I said, L.A. Burns will be coming on to talk about the game that was between West Virginia and Army. If you didn't watch it, it was a classic Army game. They have 180 yards coming into the fourth quarter and probably almost won. What a disaster. Um, and then Tommy Bench is coming on to talk about <clears throat> a few other things. January, is it 5th or the 7th? I forgot. The Trumpster has something to say, and he's going to talk about that. And then the COVID basically wrap up for the year. And then people that still, you know, are are talking about how bad the year was, yet nothing really bad happened to them. So you can just get that shit out of here if you're one of those people. I won't ruin his segment for you. He gets ahead of steam on there. And he's already been recorded as well. Usually I go first. In this case, I'm going last. So, <clears throat> And you'll know that. It's not like I'm giving away. I mean, you'll hear how the flow of this thing goes. But also we'll be talking about Clemson. I'll be talking about Clemson, which is tonight uh, versus Ohio State. Uh, some interesting things there. What the media has done to Trask for Florida is ridiculous. I'll be talking about that before we get into the Clemson game as well. And I'm not going to have much theatrics with music on this one with the picks and everything. Uh, real quick, last week's picks were really bad. La Tech got blown out. Three picks in the first quarter. That's not helping. BYU cucked. Uh, instead of scoring a touchdown, he decided not to. And then after not scoring, they take three knees at the three-yard line. That was disgusting. Let me see what else here. Wake Forest cucked. Go up 14-0, getting six and a half. It closed at 10. I told you that would happen. And instead of backdooring, they had Hartman was on the take. He threw so many picks. It's ridiculous. We did get the Coastal Carolina over. I'm forgetting another winner in there. I don't have it written down. That's how Bush League this one is. <laughs> we did get the Oklahoma State over and one more. So I believe we went three and three and six, which is just not helping anything. But tonight, and Iowa was canceled, of course. But tonight we are uh Really, really looking forward to the Clemson game. So let's get into COVID Christmas. So I have been traveling since April on airplanes. I've been on, why do people say airplanes? On planes. Of course they're in the air. It's implied, right? So on planes, it's like saying an automobile or a refrigerator. Just say fridge, right? Some people down here in Louisiana still call it the ice box. <laughs> God. Oh, it's great. So anyway, I just feel that I'd have had this thing by now. My wife is a, works on the COVID union, COVID unit, typically, uh, in her hospital. And I just figured with a traveling salesman and a woman that works in a hospital, you figure we would get it by now. I've been tested so many times, I'm just sick of it. And uh, I went to a Christmas party um, this, this year. We, we, didn't, we were not going to go because our mother-in-law has some ailments that could really make her a prime candidate if she were to get this. And you're in an enclosed area. You know, this is why everyone said don't do it, but whatever. I'm not, not canceling Christmas. So we go out and everything's, everything's fine. And then we find out the next day that 
or it's the day after the next day that my, my brother-in-law basically had COVID. Him and I were about five feet apart the whole day talking about football. And I'm like, my God. So I had a whole thing planned with my brother on Monday. We're going to go out. All the boys were going out. I believe it was Tuesday. No, it was Monday. I forgot. I got tested for it. Um, and I didn't have it. And then I was like, okay, good. We're good to go. So it was a COVID Christmas, but not for me, at least. Okay, good. Well, then um, my mother-in-law starts getting sick. I'm like, oh, boy. And then a couple days later, I start throwing up. And I have a cast iron stomach. I start throwing up like three times right in the toilet, blah, blah, blah. And then I won't get graphic, but it turned to the other end for about half a day. Found out that my my daughter had this, my mother-in-law and my mom, and then myself. Uh, My wife, she managed to miss that. But I was worried that I had, you know, that that was COVID. Like, here it is. Because the problem with it is they, they tell you every symptom possible if you have the shakes, if you have a fever, if you have diarrhea, um, if you, uh, you know, if you don't know where you are, if you're tired. And they just throw out every possible thing. Uh, and it's like, <laughs> if you have fatigue, it's like, well, it's got to be one of these. Just ridiculous. So I don't have it. Um, but it was just a stomach bug that ran through. But at the same time, I just feel like a COVID Christmas, I think that uh, there's a lot of people that had them out there. And it just really scared the hell out of everybody once again. And that's what the media has been doing. And I hear now, you know, that it's, they're talking about there's a 10-day incubation. So Fauci's once again cucked. And now he's talking about that. And it's like, just think about that for a second. How that much would scare you? If you were exposed to someone yesterday and you found out today, that means you could potentially get tested in the next few days, not have it, but have it and still carry it the way he was describing it. And then You'd have to wait 10 days before you can get tested again. I know people are like, that's not how it works. I just listened to Fauci get up here and basically talk about just that. It's just pathetic. The narrative changes like a fart in the wind. I can't even keep up with it anymore. It's like trying to keep up with college football COVID testing rules and regulations. They just don't exist. Why do we even try to adhere or follow them? It's just insane. It's really killed me this year, my picks. I mean, I can't tell you how many games have been affected by this that I've come out with early on the show like we normally do, and then we just get screwed. actually have a winning record when we post things on the Instagram page. Be sure and follow us on Instagram, at the Sports Antidote. We're nearing 1,500 followers. We were rolling there, but I think it says, it says don't woke. Tommy Bench runs that. It says, it says don't woke. It says not woke on there, and I think that some young intern or something like slowed us down because we were picking up 100 a week. And then now it's just really slowed down. So be sure and follow us on there if you're not. It's very important. We put on picks that we're going to have that aren't on the show due to COVID. And we put on some other things that are entertaining, some memes and just some funny thoughts. You know, you know how we are. You know how this show rolls. So, oh, I forgot. Thanks to Coach O for jumping in with a quick intro there. Uh, Like I said, you know who's coming on. So let's just get right to it. No music. I told you lost before. Let's get into the Florida game. If you guys did not know, Florida was a three-point favorite. They ended almost a 10-point dog. I have never seen that type of line movement for a big bowl game or nearly any game like that. Um, and then basically by the end there, Mullen is basically saying we're, sa- we're sending in a skeleton crew. Oklahoma is completely healthy with a pretty good defense, by the way. And I just thought that was the biggest gift to the gambler of all times. Uh, I just could not. There's no way you knew Florida was going to move the ball without Pitts was out. No, four starting wide receivers are out. Two starting offensive linemen. They had kids that had never even caught a pass before playing in a game of this magnitude. I mean, what do you expect? So Trask should have not played. Instead, he plays. He's he's a warrior. They actually didn't want him to play, and he did. And he probably cost himself 2 or $3 million because his draft stock plummeted through three picks in the first quarter. They benched him. And then the media just goes to town the next day on how, I don't know about Trask. And just a week before that, they were talking about how he'd be a good fit for the Saints. And he would be. And let me just tell you guys something right now. They asked that kid to do a lot. Now, they have talent on that team. But if that team had a defense, they'd be playing for a national championship. Before that game, this dude had 45, 46 touchdowns with four interceptions. And that's without... That's without non-conference games. You throw in a couple, North Florida or some other booty-ass team, that some team from the Sun Belt or something, give him three more games out of conference, he'll, he'll tune them up. He might have had 55 touchdowns with five interceptions with ludicrous uh, yards per, per completion. He ain't no check down Charlie. He gets the ball way down the field. He lit up Alabama like a Christmas tree. Hardly any turnovers. He's tough to sack. 
And now he's tra- – this is great. I hope he drops down to the bottom of the first round and the Saints get Trask. I don't care what anyone says. I don't want to hear it. I know Trevor Lawrence is going to be the saving grace. Well, when he goes to Jacksonville and they, he gets the shit kicked out of him for five years, it's just this is why it's terrible to be as high as you are in the draft considering what happens. But that's fine. Sometimes it works out with Peyton Manning and such, but sometimes it doesn't. But I think that Trask is going to end up kind of like Lamar Jackson on the lower end of – you know, a good player. I'm not comparing these two. Trask is 50 times better than him. But it worked out well for him to land in Baltimore and not Cleveland or not Cincinnati. Go ask Joe Burrow. So my point is that don't buy the, the, the stuff on Trask. The media knows nothing about anything. The beat writers from Florida still know what's up. And even rival writers, like they got one of the dudes from Florida State who probably can't stand him was like, yeah, he's probably still going to be good. He's huge. And he can move. He's everything you want. Really. And he's accurate. He gets a cannon. And he's a warrior. He's the team player. Still played in a game, I'm not comparing it to Menzel, but it reminds me of Menzel, played in that game versus Duke, his last game worth A&M, Get, it meant nothing, he's bleeding all over the place, he puts himself back in the game, and they engineer a crazy comeback, and it was just, I know it didn't work out for him because he went to Cleveland, I would like to see what happened if he went someplace else, did Johnny Menzel help himself in the interval? No, I'm not arguing that. But uh, it is going to be interesting to see where Trask ends up, and I do think he is going to be a stellar NFL prospect, and I do uh, think he's going to... I think he's going to make an impact. Maybe not an immediate impact, but at 6'4", 6'5", 230, when you, with being mobile, he can throw the ball farther than Uncle Rico, quarter mile over them there mountains. Yeah, sign me up with him. Anyway, I'm done with that. <clears throat> it's just so funny to me. <laughs> like, he was just on this dude's nuts, and now they're like, oh, he might not even go to New York. Why is the lesbian from Clemson going to New York? He missed, I mean, he didn't play for a month. <laughs> it's just... Stop pampering this kid, man. I mean, I hope he kicks the shit out of Oklahoma. Um, I hope he goes nuts in Ohio State tonight. But, I mean, he's a great player. I mean, sure, he's good. He's good. He's no Joe Burrow. He's no Trask. He's okay, sure. He's no Mickey Mantle. But I just feel that he's getting pissed on, and it's, it's not. It's ridiculous. So let's get into the Clemson game before we go over to L.A. Burns. We do have a white bitch of the week. I'm going to be busting through that one real quick. And then we'll get to Tommy Bench and, like I said, quick show, we'll wrap it up. So Clemson opened up. It's basically tinkered around seven, seven and a half. Went down to six and a half at one point. I bought it down to six. Right now it stands at seven. Just know we're taking Clemson. Uh, we are going to load up on Clemson here, and, and there's a lot of reasons why. Number one, they're done testing for COVID. So I know this podcast is going to land today. It's going to be too late by the time you hear it probably, but – uh, they're done testing for COVID. Ohio State's still testing today, and that's a really interesting thing. Debo does not have time for tests anymore, so they don't have their offensive coordinator, but the quarterback coach taking over is more than capable of calling that football game. Clearly see what COVID does to coordinators. San Jose State, a 10-point favorite, did not have the defensive coordinator or offensive coordinator, didn't, didn't show up to the game, didn't make the trip. No one said anything because you don't have to, and then they lose to Ball State by like 30. That's not going to happen here in this game. An untested Ohio State. What do we know about them? We know that they could beat Indiana by seven at home. We know their defense is pretty suspect. We know they're loaded with pro prospects, but does that really matter if you can't stop anybody? We know that Northwestern was beating them 14 to three or something. I don't quite remember. The, I think the final score was 22 to 10. Was it 10 to three? I don't know. But at no point did Ohio State look dominant versus Northwestern. And the transitive property was not going to fly through here, but I'm just saying Clemson versus Notre Dame showed us all we need to know. And I think Clemson, I think Notre Dame would beat Ohio State. I really do. I think that when Clemson is healthy, they represent the best football team in the country. I do think they're better than Alabama. Everyone's like, <gasps> Clemson has a good defense. Alabama has got lit up three times this year. Pretty bad. I mean, Ole Miss, come on. Oh, it was early in the year. Okay, Florida lit them up. Just, you know, they're, they, they're susceptible to that. And they don't have players in the scheme that they used to. They're still loaded, but we are looking for Clemson to beat Alabama. That's what I think is going to happen. Whether I want that to not happen is neither here nor there. That'll be on the next episode. But there's a reason why Clemson is a seven-point favorite here, and there's a reason why that line has not moved that much. The public is on Clemson. Make no mistake, but there's a lot of money on Clemson. I feel that if the House knows if Vegas, I hate to say if Vegas, but if the odds makers were to move this line upwards, I think you would trigger a lot of people to actually bet Clemson at that point. Uh, Guys like me would. If Clemson could shot up to nine or if it opened to nine, I'd like Clemson even more. And then you have a lot of dumb people that would go, oh, I'm getting nine, ah, and you bet it like an idiot. Um, <laughs> but I think that Clemson is going to blow the doors off Ohio State. 
I think Fields is the most one-dimensional quarterback I've ever seen as far as passing. I mean, he has horse blinders on. He looks at his first read and then runs. Classic Ohio State quarterback. Haskins did the same thing. <laughs> he still does it now. So, I mean, oh, and by the way, him getting dropped. He has more picks than touchdowns. No one likes him. He didn't listen to his coaching staff at Ohio State. does listen to his coaching staff in Washington. If you think Ron Rivera is racist, you're out of your mind. He made Cam Newton the MVP and basically brought that guy as far as he possibly could. So, you can go ahead and, you know. Quit your job because the world needs plenty of bartenders. Two weeks with pay. So we like Clemson a lot. Take him. Minus a seven if you get to it. We'll be posting it on the Instagram page. The game's tonight. We'll be back on pace next Wednesday. Um, recording Wednesday night up Thursday morning. So we should be back in running. With that being said, let's get the white bitch of the week. Let's get to L.A. Burns, Tommy Bench, and Rap. Stan Van Gundy, a.k.a. Stan Van Wokey, uh, the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans, the laziest hire in the history of... You may as well have hired P.J. Carlissimo, as far as I'm concerned, or his brother, Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, and I, I, I don't even know where to begin with Stan, but, you know, he said that he got in to say that he's the benefit of the most white privilege ever and goes to talk on about how white people are so racist and just carries the social justice warrior just torch again for the NBA and the, and the woke Pelicans. They're so woke. The only way they're hiring a white guy, not that I care, but they haven't had a white coach since Tim Floyd. Not that I give two shits if you're white or black. I care about if you can win, but... Of course, the guy that they have to hire has to hate his own skin color. That's about par for the course for the Pelicans in the NBA. So Stan Van Gundy, your white bitch of the week, and I hope you get destroyed this year and fired. I don't care. I hate the Pelicans. I hate the NBA. Suck it. L.A. Burns back on the Sports Antidote. What's up, Chief? Belts, what's happening? I'm uh, just sitting over here counting the days until January 4th when my kids will finally go back to school. Oh, God bless it. Yeah, I can't only imagine. You know, I only have that. I have a little little girl. She's not that old yet. But uh, anyway, good to see you yesterday. Uh, for those of you who don't know, me and a couple of faithful podcast listeners were able to uh, to meet the man, the myth, the legend, L.A. Burns out, had a couple belts. Uh, thanks for coming out, man. We appreciate that. Yeah, no, it was good to uh, meet your boys and uh, always good to have a couple of drinks. Yeah, when is it not? And actually, I won a game yesterday. Alert the media. <laughs> the Oklahoma State game went over. And right now, Wake Forest is beating Wisconsin. Things are looking great. Good, uh, good to yeah. hear. Well, we don't really have much good news from my end. Anyway, uh, let's get right to it. Uh, two games I want to talk about today. One is Army-West Virginia. Very interesting game. The other being Clemson-Ohio State. We'll start off with the latter. Um, so, where's that the former? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Well, I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I'll tell you once you tell me what game you want to discuss. <laughs> so we want to discuss right now West Virginia versus the Army. This is a okay. ridiculously crazy matchup. I feel like the Army still owes you some money, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that was your line. I stole it from you. I'm sorry. Uh, I just feel as though right now we are looking at the worst. West Virginia barely has a winning record. The Army has nine wins. And yet West Virginia opened up at a, almost a double-digit favorite. I think it's been bet down to like seven. People are really high on the Army with the worst quarterback on the planet. I'm not sure this team is worth two shits, and I watched Tulane punish them. Dude, I am liking West Virginia a lot here. Make me change my mind. I mean, what's going on? I don't think I'm going to make you change your mind on that. I mean, we're talking about two teams that have, you know, they're separated by a lot of talent. Let's just put it that way. Um, Army, like you said, they have nine wins. If you look at who they've beaten, it's Middle Tennessee State, Louisiana Monroe, Abilene Christian, the Citadel, UTSA, Mercer. Uh, and then you have Georgia Southern, Navy, and Air Force, which were three halfway decent wins, if you want to call them that. And certainly the Air Force game, you know, we talked about at length about how <laughs> they were lucky to win that one. Um, 
so yeah, I don't think I'd be talking you out of it. I, I, I think I'd, you know, be, be thinking along the same lines, um, you know, starting with army, they just, they don't have a very good offense. Their, their defense has performed pretty well, but we just talked about, you know, who they've performed well against. Uh, they lost to Cincinnati and to Tulane. So it's pr- two pretty decent losses and, they played pretty well in the Cincinnati game. They only lost by two touchdowns, but that was eons ago back in probably late September. So a lot of things have changed since then. But, you know, they're, they're 109th out of 127 teams in offensive yards per play. And that's kind of their game, you know, uh, three, four yards in a cloud of dust can keep the change moving, et cetera. But they really have no passing game to speak of. And you would think that would come into play in a game like this uh, where they're playing a power five team with a lot of, uh, you know, all conference selections. There's a couple, you know, there's an all American defensive lineman and Darius Stills uh, who they'll be facing. So, you know, not having the ability to throw the ball, even though it didn't really come into play in that in a lot of their games and the air force game, et cetera, but it, it, it should come into play in this game. You would think. Yeah, you'd think. I mean, obviously, there is a differentiation in talent. Uh, I do like that. uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Dogie, uh, the quarterback for West Virginia. Not really a game changer, but not really a game manager, but doesn't turn the ball over. He only has three picks this year. He's played most of the games. Uh, He's fairly accurate. And when he has to convert, he can. Um, They have some bad losses. They got drowned by Iowa State, but that – I just feel like here's how I feel. I don't want to talk too much about this game, but I feel like if Army goes down two scores early, it's over. It's done. It should be. You would think it would be. And, I mean, really the question in a lot of these bowl games is who wants to be there? So I guess you kind of have to ask yourself that question if you're thinking about back in West Virginia is do they want to be there? And from all indications that I've seen, it sounds yes. like they do. Yeah, uh, I mentioned uh, – Darius Stills, the defensive lineman, he was a first-team All-American, and he has an NFL future, and he, you know, is coming back to play. His little uh, brother opted. He opted back in. He When's the last time in. you've seen that? He opted in for the bowl game. His uh, little brother is on the defensive line, a starter as well, and he's talked about, you know, having a chance to play with his brother one last time. Apparently, they played together all throughout their uh, football careers. So this will likely be the last time they share the field on the same team. Uh, they, they do have a linebacker in Tony Fields who has opted out. He was the team's leading tackler and a first team, all big 12 selection himself. So that's a little bit of a loss, but they have, you know, I've, I've read about, I've read about seniors who are opting back in for next year. There's a, you know, Tony Fields, the linebacker who I just mentioned, was a transfer from Arizona. They had another transfer from Arizona, a safety named Scotty Young, and he got caught up in all the eligibility rules. But he's now been deemed eligible to play in this game, so he's going to get his first game action of the year. And he was a starter for, for Arizona in the Pac-12, so he should have something to add. Basically, it just sounds like they're excited to end the season in the right way. They Again, most everybody's going to be playing. You mentioned Daigie. He, he's a, probably a cross between a game manager and something on the next level, but he is pretty accurate. He moves the sticks. They, they have a pretty good little short passing game, and they have a really good running back in first team all Big 12, uh, Letty Brown. Brown. Who's been a little bit banged up, but all this time off would lead me to believe he's going to be pretty healthy. This is only their second game since November 14th. So, you know, that game against Iowa State might have been a little bit of, a, of an anomaly uh, in that they came into that one not having played in a while and were facing an Iowa State team who was trying to close out the Big 12 at home uh, or, or at least a, a spot in the Big 12 championship game. So might have just been a bad spot for them. And I have a feeling they're going to want to, you know, try to get the taste of that game out of their mouths here. So yeah, uh, I, I, I agree. I do agree. I, I, I will be taking West Virginia and I'll either buy it down to seven, but yeah, I mean, I might even wait because the line looks like it's moving down. So we'll see, but. Well, there was some, you know, just to mention this, there was some speculation that Neil Brown was going to, you know, search out other, other 
coaching vacancies. I read a little something from the AD. He put out a statement that said that they have a great relationship and anything, any conjecture about him potentially leaving or talking to other schools was, was just that it was just conjecture and uh, speculation. And it sounds like he's happy where he is when the game came about, you know, we have a little bit of a narrative situation here because army was left without an opponent and West Virginia was supposed to play Tennessee. So Tennessee opted out of this game and that left a spot for army and Neil Brown right away when uh, was asked whether or not his team wanted to play Army, you know, was all in. And it was funny because I was looking at Neil Brown's Twitter feed earlier today. And what's the guy's name from uh, Barstool? He's like the big cat, Dave, Dave something. Well, Dave Portnoy, Dave Portnoy is El Presidente. So El Presidente, he came out and said he would pay for the bowl game if anyone had the balls to step up and play army as though you need, <laughs> you know, that big of a set of balls to, to play army. But, you know, he, uh, Neil Brown came in and responded and said, that's us we're in. So, you know, I like that attitude. And, and like I said, there was a little bit of a narrative that people were, were scared to play army. So, you know, I kind of <laughs> like how that fits here because we have the more talented team in West Virginia who, you know, obviously isn't scared to play army and their guys, despite knowing they're going to get cut and having, you know, cut blocking is one of the main things that Army's going to do in the run game. And, and, and knowing that, that, you know, is going to happen throughout the game and they still want to sure. play, you know, I think those are all, all pretty positive indicators. Yeah. The sports analyst, we like West Virginia here. I'm not speaking for LA Burns, but we certainly, uh, Danny belts myself will be taking that. Let's move on to the next game. Clemson, Ohio State, what an interesting narrative here. Here we have a six-win team that finds their way into the playoffs, playing against a healthy Clemson team. Uh, again, I hate to do this. I'm laying the chalk. I think it's a blowout. Right now I see Clemson seven and a half. I see some places at seven. Uh, I just foresee this being a beatdown, and I think Justin Fields is another overrated Ohio State quarterback. I could be wrong. What is your take? You know, this one has me a little bit perplexed. You know, I can see arguments for both sides. We know these teams played each other last year in the national semifinal and what was a pretty epic game at the end of the day that Clemson scored a, a late touchdown to, to win by six and uh, Ohio State jumped out to a 16 nothing lead. Clemson came back and, and took over. Then Ohio State came back in the fourth quarter and, and scored to, to go up a couple points and and Clemson scored, and Ohio State had a chance at the end. So, um, you know, this this sets up to be a pretty a pretty good contest. And you know, again, we talking about the narrative. When I first saw this matchup, my first inclination was to think that people, you know, there's so much talk about whether or not Ohio State deserves a spot. They didn't play enough games. The Big Ten didn't play enough games. Ohio State didn't deserve to be in the Big Ten championship game. Then they come in in the Big Ten championship game, and they don't play their best game against Northwestern. We know that they were missing a lot of people, but they looked bad against a team that people might not have a lot of respect for in the Wildcats uh, on national TV and ended up pulling out a 12-point win at the end. And, you know, their running back, Trey Sermon, I believe his name is, rushed for over 300 yards and set up a Buckeye record for for single-game rushing yardage. But, uh, you know, I just – kind of have the feeling that people and like you said you you're not sure how good Ohio State is and and it, it it's it's potentially a good argument to say that they they might not be that good if you look at their body of work but if you look at them on paper they're probably just about the most talented team in the country so you know you and I talked yesterday there's not a lot of there's not a lot that we can take from conference versus conference performance we didn't have any out of conference games this year we're just starting to see the beginning of the bowl games which conferences might be a little bit stronger than others but you know it's it's to me it's just hard to know how good the big 10 was how good the acc was and i think that's important in trying to decipher what's going on here well so i go there's a lot going on for sure i mean I, i i do agree with you but i think that I just think at the end of the day, I've seen Clemson play. I've, I've seen them play several times. I saw them play without their quarterback, who somehow is higher than 
Trask and the Heisman running, which is ridiculous. But I don't even know why he's even being invited to New York. But that that aside, I just feel that Ohio State, the times I've seen them, I mean, I've seen them blow big lead versus Indiana at home. I watched them versus Northwestern go down, what, 14-3, have to scratch their way back against that shit show. I hate to do the transitive property, and I won't, but I just – if you tell me Clemson wins 42-17, dude, I roll over and go back to that. I don't even think <laughs> I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if it was a game like that. You know, I I would think that this would be a pretty a pretty good game, a pretty tightly contested game for for most of it. Um I just think that there's too much talent on the Ohio State team for Clemson to come in and just roll them. Obviously there's a ton of talent on Clemson as well. You know, you talk about who these teams lost from last year since we have this matchup from last year to kind of gauge things on. Uh, both of them lost a lot. You know, Clemson lost a lot at wide receiver. There's two guys who were catching passes from Lawrence in this game last year who are now playing in the NFL. You know, Ohio State lost J.K. Dobbins, who's running all over the place for the Ravens. They lost, you know, the number four draft pick uh, overall in Jeff Okuda. Uh, you know, a solid cornerback. Uh, they lost number one draft choice overall in Trace Young, who's, you know, dominating for, for Washington right now. So, you know, both teams lost a lot, and it's kind of hard to try to figure out which team lost more when you're trying to figure out what's going to happen here. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence ran for a lot of yards in that game last year. That was a big part of, of their comeback was his – you know, his running. So, yeah. um, are they going go it, it to It really is good, good for Clemson, too, man, for being really progressive and having a lesbian play quarterback because that really is a big step. <laughs> big step for them. And I, I applaud Debo for that. But anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I hear you. It's no big deal. And, and, and you know, he's likely going to be the best player on the field in that game. Um, so, that's one thing you have going for you in Clemson is as good as Justin Fields is. And he's still a, a really good player. A really good athlete. He can run. He can run a lot better than he can throw. But I think his, I think he can throw pretty well too. And and we'll see if getting some of his favorite receivers back for this one that that missed the Big Ten championship game are going to help him look a little bit more fluid in in the past game. But um, you know, really just a good game. I mean, it's ex, it's an exciting game, and you know, it, it's nice to it's nice when you're looking at a, one of these bowl games to not have to immediately start digging in to try to find out who's in, who's out, who's opting out. You know, I mean, that that's really wreaking havoc with a lot of this bowl schedule already. And, you know, you turn it on TV and finding out that guys are out or what have you. So, you know, that's the good thing about the, the playoff games this year is you don't really have to dig in for all that stuff. As far as people opting out now, you may turn on the game and find out that 15 people are out due to COVID that you didn't know about, but, uh, but, you know, that's just the way it's gone all season. But, um, no, should be – I think it should be a good game. You know, I, I'll, as we've talked about all year, I tend to gravitate towards the dog. Uh, as much respect as I have for Clemson, you know, I would have a hard time laying over a touchdown in this game. But, you know, the, I talked about the narrative, whether or not people think Ohio State's deserving or not you know, that can swing back around too. So then people might start saying, oh, well, you know, everyone's going to think Clemson's going to win for that reason. So now I'm going to take the dog here. So, you know, that can go both ways. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I guess, I guess what I'm, what I'm saying here is I would have to take the points if I took anything, but this is most likely going to be a game that I just sit back and watch. And, you know, these days with live betting and, second half betting if you really want to get into the action at some point you can kind of see how things are going and, and do that so um so anyway that that's that's probably the the route that I'll take here and probably just leave it alone and enjoy the game enjoy the game there it's always good just enjoy the game not have money on it but uh burns we got to roll man but thanks for jumping on the show do appreciate you uh coming on here we'll look forward to having you on next yeah week. man happy new year and uh I'll catch you on the other side all right bro later, later. Thanks to L.A. Burns coming on talking about two of the games I really care about. Clemson is probably going to smash Ohio State. Um, but speaking of smashing, real quick, Tommy Bench, I don't know if you heard this, but as the Army game is going on right now versus West Virginia, it appears that there are a lot of cheaters. And I don't know if you it read appears. that, but a lot of them cheated on a math test, and that violates 
the honor code, just like Menelawa said in Troy, the Trojans have violated the agreements. Prepare for battle. Um, That's right. Is the, there a the, chance? The, Go ahead. The, uh, I read about this story, and interestingly, this seems to happen at almost all the service academies every, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 years. Um, there, was, there was this very serious case in the mid-90s at the Naval Academy, uh, similar, you know, widespread, it was a, a lot of people. And, and what's interesting, and I'm sure a similar finding will come out at the West Point um, with the West Point thing that's hit the news recently. You know, th- there's kind of the core group, either people who had access to materials they shouldn't have had access to or, you know, people who were colluding to use that, you know, 2020 word for a second together to to. Uh, you know, uh, achieve grades that they did not earn through a genuine academic study. And, and then there's there's always these peripheral groups of, you know, and it, at the Naval Academy back in the early 90s, long before I went, uh, it, it had to do with copies of the test that some, you know, once it started getting to the second and third round of people, they thought they were just copies of tests from previous years. And where people really got in trouble was essentially not coming forward and then some people, when confronted, you know, when they finally started getting asked questions of, did, did you, you know, when, when did you realize you had seen a copy of the test? Well, you know, as I was sitting in the test hall, I realized that the materials I had been using. Okay, you can get by on that because, all right, at least you told the truth when confronted. Ideally, you should have turned yourself in. So it, it'll really be interesting to see the kind of fallout. You know, look, people who directly cheated or directly lied, that, that shouldn't be tolerated. Um, people in sort of that second and third group, if they're salvageable, there are mechanisms in place at service academies. It's kind of, you know, honor probation. I remember there were a couple of guys in my class, they graduated late. They had gotten, and and again, it's, it's, it's rare that it's as straightforward as cheating. Actually, I did have one guy my freshman year. Dude, I mean, he, they, they, they basically are saying 20 people on the football team. Right. And that's, uh, again, nine times out of 10, it's circled around a sports team because let's just let's let's start calling balls and strikes sports teams at service academies, just like Ivy League schools and top tier academic schools uh, are, are given some leeway with respect to the recruits they're able to bring in and their academic prowess. Um, now, look, I say this as somebody who struggled academically at the Naval Academy and was by no means a 4.0 student, uh, not by a long shot. Um, but I, I was, there, there were some people, folks I'd interact with. And I remember thinking, I have no idea how, I mean, first of all, well, they didn't major in engineering, um, and, and being somewhat surprised that they were able to keep up with the rigor of academics. There was one case, my freshman year, this one's, this one's too funny not to mention this guy. He was a former enlisted sailor. He seemed like a good guy. Um, he was actually in my company. So I, I knew him well enough, you know, well enough. And he spoke Spanish fluently. And he was going and taking people's Spanish tests for them. And at one point, somebody, I guess he got confronted, like he would put their uniform on that had their name. But at one point, a teacher confronted him and said, wanted to see his ID. And then, and then it unraveled from there. And he was actually, he was dismissed immediately. Um, so, you know, that's one of Yikes. those extreme examples. Again, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from this one. And, and, and the very real fact that, if they're talking about dismissing dozens of seniors right before graduation, that has severe effects on, you know, manpower distribution, manpower planning for where those um, young cadets were going to go once they were commissioned. I mean, this does have a ripple effect beyond just, look, we caught some college kids cheating and we hold, you know, we we expect to hold these kids to a higher standard. Right. So, well, that's crazy. It is crazy. And right now, Army is doing exactly what they have to do. West Virginia has a 32-yard rushing loss, fumble, touchdown for Army. And Army has 90 yards at the half and is winning 14-10. to 10. That is exactly how you lose to the Army. You make mistakes, and they have made 1,000. But let's not get into that too much there. I do want to talk about – I know you want to get into January 6th. You know, what's all of a sudden all the far right-wingers think Trump's going to wave some magic wand and he's going to win the election. Uh, we all know that is not going to happen. <laughs> this election. Is yeah, over. that that is very much true. Um, and, and, and that is what I just want to mention very quickly. You know, January 6th, it, th- that is kind of the final 
straw in terms of the election and in terms of activities and constitutionally mandated actions that will occur to validate the results of the election. That's when both houses of the, the vice president serving in this capacity as the president of the Senate will convene a joint session of Congress, which means both houses, the House of Representatives and the Senate. And the objective is to certify the results of the election. Now, some Republican, one Republican senator, Josh Hawley, and then a handful of representatives have said they are going to object and, and let their objections be heard about uh, the certification of the results and the certification more specifically of the electors votes of the election. There's an there's an arcane law from the 1870s about this process and, and how to handle objections. And, and here's the bottom line. It's going to make for some I don't even know if great political theater. We'll just say political theater for people who are really into this sort of thing. People who actually sit there and watch C-SPAN for eight hours a day. At the end of the day, let, let's let's get down to brass tacks, because just like a football game, you know, it, it's important what happens during. But at the end of the day, it's the score at the end of the game that matters. At the end of the day, and it, it might stretch into January 7th if certain processes are, are kicked off, Joe Biden's going to be certified as the winner of the election, period, full stop. Now, I, I cannot foresee a circumstance because, again, if, if somebody had the rock solid, you know, 4K video with perfect audio where, you know, hundreds of Democrats sit there and say, oh, yes, I fabricated, you know, and here was my diabolical plan to do this on a large scale. The question would be, why hasn't that been presented in a court of law to this date? So I think some some theater will be put on and it might be entertaining. It'll probably be somewhat annoying. But at the end of the day, I do not see a process or a mechanism where constitutionally the results of the election uh, will not be certified. And I know people with a lot more experience in constitutional law than I. Mark Levin, for one, thinks there's a method. I, I just... I can't see that happening. I don't see that happening. So that's January 6th in a nutshell. All right. COVID. Just want to talk COVID real quickly. You know, we here on the Sports Antidote pride ourselves on, on the sports side, although it's been a little rough uh, this particular football season due to some of the complications due to COVID. But we, we pride ourselves on, on trying to be on the cutting ed, edge, think about things differently, trying to look a little further down the road than, than the rest of the mainstream media or, or sports media um, apparatuses out there. But one thing, I'm going to pat us on the back. A couple of weeks ago, we had an episode and we talked about, look, you know, the way things are trending in some states, and I was pointing to North Dakota as a possible example because they were hitting roughly 100,000 cases per million. That's confirmed cases. Uh, I was essentially forecasting and I've got some Excel sheets with some back of the envelope math and thinking, look, somewhere right around mid-January, mid to late January, I, I think we're going to be hitting a kind of natural, naturally achieving herd immunity. And the distribution of the vaccine, while important and should definitely proceed, is, is going to supplement the naturally occurring herd immunity. Well, but it up, but it up, but it up. Don't you know, the back um, on the last page of the Wall Street Journal in the op-ed, there was a op-ed, again, not an article, but an op-ed, essentially making this same point, saying, look, it's going to be a combination of herd immunity and the vaccine. And really, in some places... Naturally, naturally occurring herd immunity is what's really making the difference and resulting in case numbers going down and will likely to continue to have that effect. Another article, and, and this one I, I do want to give, I want to specifically call out Robert Kaplan on Real Clear Politics. Some states look well on way to herd immunity. And, and he walked through and he did some real good back of the envelope math and essentially said, look, the CDC estimates we're, miss, we're only capturing one out of every eight. And he walked through you know, the, the five or six case, the five or six states with the most decline in their seven day rolling average are all states that are kind of approaching that hundred thousand known cases per million. So you multiply that by eight. You're talking 60, 70, 80 percent of that population may have already been exposed to the virus. So it, it, it's just really interesting. I think you're going to start seeing more and more stories about that in terms of where things stand right now. It is it is very difficult because of distortions in the data from Christmas and New Year's. I think we're really going to have to wait till about January 7th to the 10th before we can say, all right, the trend is we're seeing an uptick from people traveling. It's kind of flatlining or it's declining. Um, so, again, got to kind of wait two or three weeks before we can make a, a final call on how COVID is trending right now because of distortions in the data. Uh, 
Interesting thing. Look, looking forward, a looking forward into 2021. What, what's something I, I'd like to, we'll, we'll call this a futures bet. I forecast in terms of news stories, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the, the Hunter Biden thing will continue to bubble under the surface. It will not hit a fever pitch, but it, it, it will just continue to be this drip, drip, drip. And, and the real, what will be very interesting is as we start approaching the midterms in 2022 to see if that drip, drip, drip dries up or if it starts becoming a steady flow and then possibly a gusher. Because again, my, my tinfoil hat theory is that's going to be the mechanism that they potentially use to remove Joe Biden from office, get Kamala in. Now they would want to do it after the midterms. That way she could serve the remainder of that and still run for two terms. It is constitutionally possible to actually serve for a, a little under 10 years, depending on timing, uh, how much of your predecessor's term you take over uh, as a vice president who would take over from a president who resigns or is otherwise incapacitated from serving. So that, there's sort of a futures prediction on, on news that we'll hear about. Other things to keep an eye out for in 2021 is the, the Biden administration and China. It, 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 I don't think he's going to be able to go fully back to the very permissive, you know, Clinton, Bush, Obama, well, you know, a rising China is good for the world. I, I just I don't see him being able to go back that far because I think they'll be afraid of alienating a lot of the people they were able to bring back from the Trump camp in the 2020 election. But I also don't see him drawing as hard a line as Trump has drawn and, and I believe would have drawn had Trump been reelected in 2020. So that'll be something very interesting to keep an eye out for. And then one final thought for 2021, you know, if you, if you want to get a sense of where things are heading before the rest of the, the rest of the folks, and there's a good website called zero hedge that looks into these sort of things. You know, we as a country have issued so much debt to battle the coronavirus, and, and it appears there's, there's just going to be no stopping. And frankly, I, I forecast that the Biden administration is going to try to ram through two or possibly three more COVID relief bills as essentially as an excuse to spend trillions of dollars for all kinds of pet projects. And, and what they'll do is they'll throw us a few thousand dollars to keep, you know, to keep the plebes, the plebeians happy. Um, and, and then they'll just ram through every one of their liberal wet dream things through Congress. Uh, so I expect to see that. And what'll be interesting is to keep an eye on treasury auctions, this is not something the average person pays attention to. I won't claim that I pay attention to it on a daily or weekly basis. But if we ever start seeing treasury auctions where the U.S. Treasury goes out in the debt markets and says, we'd like to borrow this much money, and, and a high percentage of that offering is not snapped up, or it takes a long time to sell it, or we have to start ticking up the interest rate that we're offering on those notes, that's really going to be an indication that the financial markets are starting to question the United States' ability to repay the enormous amounts of debt. Now, the thing is, everybody's taken out debt, but we've taken out an exceptionally high amount of debt, um, even in relation to the spending blowouts of the past 10 to 20 years. So keep an eye on those things for 2021. All right, closing thought for 2020. This will be our last podcast for 2020. If, if we publish it, it might, it might get published on, on the first, but Closing thoughts on 2020. You know, I, I'm amazed at all the people on social media. It seems like everybody's trying to one up each other with their, you know, statement of how terrible 2020 was. <laughs> 2020 would not recommend 2020 the year to forget in 2020. Blah, blah, blah. Look, I get it. If you like lost your job, lost a business, were unemployed, got crushed financially. You know, I read this story of a woman who has a full-grown, you know, an adult child who has Asperger's and they're living in their car in Tennessee. Like that sucks. And, and I, like, that's somebody who I think has full right. And, and it was, it was a situation where she lost her job due to COVID and couldn't keep up with the rent. And okay. So like, that's a rough situation. If, if you personally battled COVID or had close family members who, and when I say battled, I don't mean you got over it in a week or two. I mean, you know, a real, dealing with it as a as a debilitating disease hospitalizations really you know a tough case of it or frankly any other sickness but we'll just kind of focus on covid because that's the reason people are making all these posts uh, okay you had a rough year if you had a close family member pass away okay like i get the the um statements of how awful 2020 was 
But if you didn't fall into any of those three categories, and, and I'll be the first to admit, I, I fall into the very fortunate category. I didn't lose my job. I had a, I had a reduction in income for a period of time, but that's all going to be restored January 1st. I, while I personally had COVID, it was not a severe case. I did not have the family, a close family member with a severe case. I did not lose any close family members or friends to COVID or, or, or frankly, anything um, this particular year. Now, does that mean I'm signing up to repeat 2020 all over again? No, but, but I'm trying to keep it in perspective and say, look, I, I, realize, I realize I'm very fortunate. And I think it's disingenuous of all you people who might be listening who actually didn't have a real awful year to go on social media and woe is me and talk about how awful your year was if you really didn't have an awful year. If you came out relatively unscathed, why not just say, look, I'm thankful and I realize there are people who are not as fortunate as I am. And, and those are the people I'll be, you know, keeping in my thoughts. If you're the praying type, keep them in your prayers. And, and if you if you feel you have the financial capacity, you know, maybe some of this helicopter money, I can tell you some of the helicopter money we're going to get, we're, we're going to find a an appropriate uh, charitable organization to give it to just because, again, I've been very fortunate. I, I have not dealt with some of the challenges that many other people have dealt with. So keep things in perspective before you begin your woe is me Facebook complaining and see it, you know, look for an opportunity to possibly help somebody out who genuinely did have a really awful 2020. Well, you can always right. donate to Danny Belts living in a van down by the river because he can't win a bet. Maybe I should be first on people's list, but maybe I'll uh, send a dollar ninety nine. It'll the check is in the mail. Thank you. I appreciate it. Looking forward to that. Tommy Bench, thanks so much, Sports Antelope. Looking forward to have you on next year because 2021 is going to be so much better. But <laughs> oh, yeah, it's my year. <laughs> it's it's going to be worse. But anyway, we'll uh, with the podcast, we'll persist. Kind of like the dude. We'll talk to you next week, bro. All right, out here. Thanks for joining the Sports Antidote, episode number 29, COVID Christmas. Look forward to seeing you guys next week, getting back on track here in 2021. I guarantee you the football season will be a lot better than 44, 43% uh, next season. Hopefully COVID football comes to an end and we can put this year behind us. But 2021 ain't going to be much better as far as the, the way you live, trust me. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at the Sports Antidote. Rate, subscribe, and review. I still sounds like I'm saying rape, subscribe, and review. Rape. Subscribe and review. See you next week at Adotions. I'm outspoken. My language is broken into a slang, but it's just the dialect that I select when I hang. I play it cool. The schooling is off.